Greetings, greetings once again to all my enemies and all my friends. It is the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. It's the show where we don't take calls, we don't tolerate sponsors, but we do help focus you on the events of the week through the lens of original thought. And I want to start out in celebration of Pride Month. In celebration of Pride Month, Iran continues escalating enrichment of uranium. UN experts warn that Iran now has enough material to build a nuclear bomb, perhaps just in time for the 4th of July. Perhaps. Just in time. Meanwhile, in celebration of Juneteenth, China successfully intercepted a ballistic missile in mid-flight. That's right. That was performed on June 20th, which is the traditional day that the Chinese celebrate Juneteenth because, you know, in Asia it's a day later. So Juneteenth was the, was the day for all that. Now, should we get to the Roe v. Wade, the overturning and the... I suppose I have to do it. I'll just do it from the top here because I don't want it to take up the whole show because there are other matters of pressing importance, you know, like Pride Month and Juneteenth, which I think Juneteenth goes right up through the 4th of July. Uh, But to address the United States Supreme Court, I just want to start out in the fine tradition of my good friend Bob Enyard, who faithfully shed friends and family members and even church members every election cycle and around pretty much every Republican political bacchanal that has erupted after every so-called Republican victory. Bob shed friends, family members, church members, and... uh, I, in that fine tradition, am here to tell you the truth, even if it hurts. And even if you don't like me afterwards. But don't turn away unless you're afraid. So, the, this past week, the United States Supreme Court changed the political entity that will regulate the butchering and poisoning of children. And, uh, and the big R Republicans... And the small C Christians all cheer that it's a win. It's a win. It's a victory. Because I think maybe because it may temporarily alter the body count. Maybe temporarily. Possibly. That, I think that's the cheering. And then there's the, the fact that they had declared that overturning Roe would be a victory. No matter what. They've been saying that for 30 years. Some of my friends, some of you in the audience, Republicans have been saying this your whole life. So there's a good chance you don't know any better. That no matter what, the overturning of Roe is a victory. It's a win. It's a win. No matter what, it's a win. And so they've been shouting this for 30 years. They've dedicated their lives and their fortunes to overturning Roe. And so it has to be a win. Or they might lose some of that super awesome team spirit that got us this far, you know? Like, we overturned Roe. It's super awesome. It's great. 
Yay! I'm weepy. I'm in tears. So explain to me how overturning the opinion that we were told made child killing immediately legal nationwide, how does overturning it not result in child killing being immediately illegal nationwide? How is that? Perhaps we're not being told the truth. Or, or perhaps we're not being told the truth now. Or maybe we weren't told the truth then. I mean, was any of this actually legal? Was any of this that's been going on actually legal? But I, I'm not all doom and gloom. We can hope that the loud and public reversal of an opinion that never explicitly legalized abortion, but resulted in the slaughter of 100 million innocents under color of law, we can hope that this loud public reversal of that might have the effect in some cases of preventing some parents from killing some kids. And if one couple changes their mind, that's a good thing. I'm not going to say if one couple changes their mind, it's worth it, because that's not true. But it is a good thing. If, if one person decides not to murder another person, that's a good thing. But it's not worth saying that a state or the people... As Mr. Alito said, the, 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 people, the people in the state, it's not worth saying that the people in the state have the right to butcher and poison children because it might prevent one couple from butchering their child. It's not worth it. No. But because we're in such a dark place, we have to reach out for a ray of hope wherever we can. And if one baby doesn't get butchered or poisoned, or if 20,000 babies over the next few months are not murdered, because everybody's just uncertain about how they should proceed. Well, that's a good thing. That's 20,000 people not murdered. That's a good thing. It's not worth what we have done. But it's a ray of hope at least for them and for their parents. Because Now, I, I need to remind you all that the, the, the war over child killing is not about the body count. This is actually a war just like every other war. Victory or defeat is not determined by how many people are killed. Victory or defeat is determined by which side surrenders. So we'll see if their side surrenders as completely as did ours. Back in 1973. We'll see. Because after all, this is a battle against principalities and powers it's not just against princes in the deep state so pray for revival around this opinion because because revival is possible anytime people are forced to look at the facts so pray for revival among those who are shaken by this forced to face the truth god has that power the truth has power beyond our ability to present the truth. Our rather pathetic presentation of it <laughs> might not give it the, the look of the power that it actually has. The truth has power beyond what we can imbue it with when we present it. The truth 
has power. God has power for revival in moments like this. So let's pray for that. But the truth is the opinion here rendered by the court in both cases, Roe and now Dobbs, neither opinion had any meaning, really, without the hearts of the people. And the hearts of the people are at best apathetic, at worst murderous, or, or is it the other way around, at worst apathetic. The hearts of the people are altogether malleable. So pray for revival among the apathetic and the malleable and the murderous. Because God has the power to revive any one of them. So pray for that. But as far as the war on the ground goes, because people being killed is worth fighting physically as well as spiritually. So as to that war on the ground where people are actually being burned and butchered and poisoned and killed, now that this decision has been handed down, who's going to actually stop the abortion mills from operating? Anyone? I know a few of them in a few states have shut down while they talk to their lawyers. Oh, and send out fundraising letters. That's, that's a whole other side to this, a whole diabolical. I'll get to that. So they've shut down a few clinics to talk to their lawyers, churn out some fundraising letters. But now that Roe's been overturned and the Republicans have delivered on this promise to generations of people, who's going to be the one to actually stop it by force of arms? Who's going to do it? And it would have to be done lawfully, by the way. By governing officials, by force of arms. Anyone? Governor Abbott. Governor Abbott. Governor DeSantis. Anyone? Governor DeSantis, this is your moment. Anyone? Because a physical show of courage, even by a few, sometimes even just by one man, can spur victory even from the darkest depths of of defeat, which we're not there anymore, right? We just won. We got a great victory. This is it. This is the time for one man to stand up and lead. People desperately want and need a man to follow. And history today, right now, is offering that man his opportunity. But I personally do not see any man occupying any office prepared for history today. I don't see that man. And then on a political level, this opinion, uh, this opinion is the culmination of 30 years of the most cynical political theater ever executed upon a population and folks the cash is rolling in to both parties for november the cash is rolling in the fundraising letters are churning the cash is rolling in as both parties prepare for november folks the fundraising letters written on 
quote unquote, both sides of this issue will be epic. They'll be the crowning achievements of some people in the pro-life and pro-abortion industries. They will be the crowning achievements of some careers. The fundraising letters that are being churned out right now, they'll be epic. Look for one in your mailbox this coming week. So politically and uh, in the war on the ground after... After about 40 years and about 100 million innocent people murdered, we end up where we were in 1966. Did I say 40 years? I meant 50 years. About 40 years, 50. About 100 million dead. We are about where we are in 1966 when child killing was first legalized by the very first state. Uh, Mississippi, by the way, coincidentally, the same state from which this case emanated. And back then it was made legal very quietly, by the way, and only in a very, very few special cases. Exceptions, really. Of course, now most abortions are done with a pill or two, and that, that'll not be affected by any of this. Those pills will still be legal. Those pills will still be prescribed. And there are myriad abortion regulations bought and paid for by pro-lifers that, if not abandoned due to a spiritual awakening, will keep child killing legal in every state. But only in a very, very few special cases. Exceptions, really. (laughs) The opinion itself is a tribute to humanism, legalism, pragmatism, and every other ism that is, not is destroying, every other ism that has destroyed the country. This, this, this is a tribute to all of that. Reading from Samuel Alito himself, from the actual opinion, ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Here's what he says in the opening paragraph. Some believe fervently that a human person comes into being at conception and that abortion ends an innocent life. Of a human person, he said. Thank you, Mr. Alito. Back to the uh, opinion. Others, so he just referred to the first group. People who believe that a human person comes into being and that abortion ends an innocent life. Others, say Judge Alito, feel just as strongly that any regulation of abortion is inappropriate for a number of reasons that he goes on. It's, it's just, yeah, yeah. Quote, quote, unquote, Samuel Alito, great, uh, great legal mind, genius, goes on and on. Back to Mr. Alito, quote, a third group thinks that abortion should be allowed, but not under all circumstances, unquote. Just a very, very few cases. Exceptions, really. I mean, not the rule. That would be... So Alito, in the very first paragraph, he pretty much already said right there in the first paragraph just how he frames the debate and for whom they are going to rule. He could have saved us all 146 pages of their dazzling brilliance. And just appended the opinion right there, wiped and flushed.
Weekly Worldview. I'm your host, Doug McBurney. We'll be back to the uh, brilliance emanating from the penumbra of Justice Alito's robe. So, we can tell in the very first paragraph how it's obvious, right? From the very first paragraph that he's going to judge that it's this third and eminently reasonable group who shall be granted the authority via legislation in the several states to decide the circumstances of child killing going forward. It's that third group, you know. The ones who, well, they're not for abortion any time, not every time, not all the time. I mean, just a very, very few cases. Exceptions, really. And so, what happened on Friday was that the unofficial position of the pro-life industry has now been codified into law by their own ultimate victory. The most sacred and holy overturning of Roe. The overturning of Roe that somewhere along the way eclipsed the right to life that they'd all started out with. The overturning of Roe, damn it, we won. Now shut up about the right to life. Pick up the sign, get marching, and celebrate, damn it. We did it, we won. The overturning of Roe, which has effectively codified, further codified. I have a, I have a note into my legal expert, the, the one legal expert I know, who studied this issue as much, if not more, than Samuel Alito. I ju- I've got a message in asking him, when Alito says that he's returned the the authority. Well, here, should I read it from the actual... I should read it from the actual... uh, from the actual ruling, because the opinion itself does not opine on whether abortion is actually lawful, let alone right or wrong, (laughs) because Samuel Alito and everyone else on the court, they don't know themselves what's right or wrong. They don't know. It's not that they won't write it down or they won't say it in public. They don't know what's right or wrong. And so the opinion doesn't go into that. But one thing about Samuel Alito, to our benefit, at least temporarily, is Samuel Alito's lack of any moral certitude does seem to inform him with the humility not to inflict his uncertain morality or lack thereof, on the rest of us immediately and by force. So he's not a tyrant himself. He leaves that to that third group in, in the opinion. The authority, uh, quote, the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. That's, that's the essential holding of the ruling. Did I say the ruling? I'm sorry, the opinion. And isn't this interesting how the, the Supreme Court are allowed to issue this as an opinion so that later on, it's almost as if they see, it's almost as if 
Later on, they expect to be able to say, well, this was just our opinion. The fact that they murdered 100 million people afterwards, that was on them. This was just our opinion. It's as if that's what they think. Uh, but anyway, back to the, the opinion. Ah, uh, the opinion. Which will be called an opinion when someone's being held responsible for it. But in all other cases, when it comes to what actually happens, it's going to be called a ruling. When people want to use it to do what they want to do, it's a ruling. When someone's afraid they might be held responsible to what's actually written down, it's just an opinion. What's it's what? But here's what he said. The authority to regulate murdering children is returned to the people in their elected representatives. So I changed the word abortion to murdering children. You could also state it this way, quote, and you could still put this in quotation marks. Quote, the authority to regulate child killing is returned to the people and their elected representatives. Unquote. That's from the actual ruling. The actual opinion. The actual decision, which they didn't take. They didn't take a decision. They didn't make a ruling. They just rendered an opinion. It's like a George Carlin bit, for crying out loud. Okay, so did you catch the sleight of hand there? And this is what I'm not sure about legally, because I'm not a lawyer. But to me, it sounds like there's a little bit of a sleight of hand there with the word returned. So in saying that the authority has been returned, Alito is implying that this authority always had existed and for all time been with the people and their elected representatives, and he's just returning it to them. And so I think he expects us to forget that the reason the left so desperately wanted Roe or a decision like Roe was because there was this growing opposition rooted in morality and 5,000 years of human history that the state making child killing legal was immoral and that it had to be stopped. That's why the left wanted Roe. That's why they had to have Roe. And, 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 but now here, Alito, in order to appear reasonable, forgets history. He forgets morality. I don't know that he forgot morality. I don't know that he ever had any. But he expects us to forget history and us to forget morality. And then we can all judge each other eminently reasonable and thoughtful and practical. I mean, we're not like those ones who want to kill every baby. And it's not like we're going to make anybody kill their baby. Right? I mean, we're not tyrants. We're all reasonable. And folks, that's all that's left to separate what's left of America from the murderous tyrants who are waiting in the wings, by the way, to inflict their immorality upon us by force immediately. That's all that's left that separates us is all that separates a guy like Samuel Alito and a guy like Sandy AOC Cortez. There's no moral certitude that separates them. There's just a threadbare, thin veil of uncertainty and shame. Just barely restraining a pack of raging beasts. And this threadbare garment will disappear with Alito's generation. 
and it will leave our children to the wolves. That's if good men do nothing, which we are not obligated to do, Mr. Alito notwithstanding. Follow or get out of the way, sir. You have acquitted yourself unfit to lead. And thank you for the humility you have shown in making that fact obvious to the rest of us. And damn you for your cowardice, sir. Get out of the way, Mr. Alito. Now, it's better that Americans are fighting over this issue rather than not fighting over this issue. That's better. So that's another good thing. People are fighting about this rather than not. And the left will be exposed as an extremely small, vicious, hateful minority. That's what they'll be exposed at over the next, well, this, this weekend and beyond. This week and beyond. You know, not unlike the, the summer of love that they staged in 2020. The summer of lawlessness. When a few dozen criminal activists were allowed for the first time in American history, as far as I can recall, to actually move the debate through violence. Well, just move the debate. I, I mean, let's. They went on to win after that. Didn't they? I mean, only the ground war, right? They're being defeated in the spiritual war. That is, I mean, if good men do something. And of course, there's none good but God. <laughs> and thank God we can rely on Him to be doing something. He is doing something. Like I say, pray for revival in the face of this. Because even with the, the raging lions and the ravenous wolves, even though they haven't really lost much of anything in the ground war, and they're probably going to break some things and kill some people, kill some more people actually. They've been killing people on an industrial level never seen in all of human history for about 50 years. So they're probably still going to kill some people. Never let a crisis go to waste, they say. But perhaps they'll overplay their hand. Perhaps they'll overplay their hand. Although I, I thought they had done that in the summer of 2020. And, and then they literally took the country. God help us. God help us. Back to the news. What's the quickest way to know that the court's opinion regarding Roe was pure theater? Huh? This headline, Mike Pence on SCOTUS overturning Roe. Quote, today, life won. <laughs> Mike Pence. Uh -huh. But hey, you know what? I have to remind myself that people are far more affected and influenced by theater than by reality. And so I go back to my prayer for revival based on the emotional perception that something real has happened. Because that can be enough. Perception can be reality. And theater that was intended for cynical, short-sighted politics and greed... It could spin out of control, out of the control of uh, its supposed masters. And it could become a vehicle for 
truth and for revival. So we'll pray. If the enemy is if the enemy is convinced that what's happened is actually real, even though it's a theatrical production, it could freak some of them out and scare them into actual repentance, consideration of the truth. Maybe even they find God and return from the edges of a thousand years of darkness that they're dragging us all toward. So let's pray that the theatrics could result in real revival. That's It's the Weekly Worldview. I'm your host, Doug McBurney, and we are coming back to... uh, Let's finish off this topic. Mike Pence and the theatrics notwithstanding. I have this headline. Satanists claim they're entitled to abortion as a religious right. That was the headline. I, I rewrote it. Republican Supreme Court claims they're entitled to abortion as a political right. All you have to think about. And you could also rewrite it to say that uh, the Supreme Court claims that the states and the people are entitled to abortion as a political right. You You could write it that way, too. Anyway, in light of the most recent opinion... Uh, I'm going to call it a ruling, and I'm going to hold them responsible for it, by the way. According to the latest ruling, I would guess that the Satanists have a better than even chance of convincing this Supreme Court to legalize abortion as a satanic right. I believe that that's, yeah. And, and then at least that would put child killing in its proper light, at least, since we're looking for rays of hope. All right. Uh, In the meantime, we go to WYMT, upstate New York, where uh, a citizen, an American, maybe even a great American, had a sign in her front yard that said, I killed my baby. Oh, I'm sorry. I wrote that. The sign said, keep abortion safe and legal. That's what the sign in her yard said, actually. And so anyway, their doorbell camera captured the FedEx driver as he came up. He was writing a a message on the box there. The message read, not in Kentucky because it is murder of a life. That's what the FedEx driver wrote. The ring camera then captured a UPS driver who came up, wrote on the, uh, crossed out the message of the FedEx driver, and then wrote, quote, continue to exercise your First Amendment rights, unquote. So both statements reveal the tragic state of education in America and and alliteration and grammatical, just intelligence, anything amongst at least the FedEx and UPS community, if not everyone who matriculated in the government schools. So that aside, that aside, um, here we have the battle, right, going on on the porch And so the uh, WYMT 
interviewed the guilt-ridden post-abortive mom who said, we create laws for humans, right? We need to be fair and expect others to treat everyone well. And we hope that's the way our kids approach life. I mean, we live on a street that has varying opinions about the world, and we all come together, and we have great, we have a great street, we live on a great street, we all come together, damn it! We have happy hours right in our front yard! It's great street! Unquote. And then uh, the post-abortive sociopath's husband was interviewed, said, quote, We're all entitled to our own opinions, of course. Unquote. <clears throat> That's it. That's all dad had to say. Now, the couple said, the couple told WYMT that they plan to keep the box as a memento to teach their children someday. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, post-aborted sociopathic mom says, quote, we're just trying to make a better world for our girls. I mean, you know, the ones that we didn't kill. They're 20 months old. Unquote. So there's the battle on the front porch of America in light of the Supreme Court granting you and I and our elected officials the authority to legalize murder. I suppose it was, you know, we've been legalizing. I, I, I wonder if there was ever a time in America before this generation where it became uh, tolerable to legalize things that were, are obviously criminal. Because that's what we've been doing now for, uh, since about 1966 in Mississippi with the very first law. Legalizing the very first child killing. But it wasn't for every child. It was just a few very special just exceptions, really. Don't think about that. And so now let's go from all of that battle, that into the war file where the Chinese government and the Chinese Communist Party and researchers employed by them report that they have developed a device to detect when a man is watching pornography. That's right, they've got a computer that they can hook up. They can detect when a man is watching pornography. It detects brain waves triggered by lewd content, and the Chinese are trying to figure out if there's a way they can make this device work without having to hook it up to your body so that they can tell when men in China are looking at pornography. Why do they want to know this? Because pornography is illegal in China. Did you hear that? Pornography is illegal in China. Why is that, do you think? Because China is officially atheist. So it's not like China cares about the morality of pornography, right? China officially doesn't believe in morality, period. So why is pornography illegal in China? And why is the government of China, who is very interested in controlling virtually every aspect of every Chinese citizen's life, why are they so interested in knowing if the men are watching pornography? Well, even an atheistic society realizes that pornography is criminal and it's a city to the men who would be relied on to defend the nation or to attack the enemy or to enforce the rules of the government. The government needs men and it needs men who aren't distracted, depleted and destroyed by pornography. 
And in China, they have no sacred cow that they call freedom of expression before they must bow. They don't have to do that in China. Now, here in the West, we have taken the godly right of freedom of speech and we have turned it into the idol of a free-for-all, freedom of expression. So that's what we've done, and we've bowed before that idol, but Babylon has not. Oh, I'm sorry, I meant China. So Judah has bowed before her idol, but Babylon has not. So, uh, meanwhile, from the end of the world file, one of Elon Musk's children has filed documents... And listen to how just the news reports this. And I'm sure they just copy and paste this from some other source. But for crying out loud, people, we need an editor. We need a filter. We need like a reality filter so that normal people can read the news and not be corrupted by just reading the news. So I'm calling on just the news, which is a, an alternative conservative news site that I use quite often. I'm calling on them for a reality truth filter to just filter out the propaganda. Just the propaganda side, okay? Anyway, listen, one of Elon Musk's children has filed documents to change names and genders. Right? Okay, so just grammatically, one of Elon Musk's children cannot change names and genders. Okay, just my grammatical. Drive me crazy. But the reason they said names and genders is because they're not allowed to say his name and his gender. Because while that would be grammatically accurate, it would be politically incorrect. And so whoever wrote this story didn't want to use the pronoun his. Because I guess because the kid might sue him later. What, like after he commits suicide? Well, that would be when you're worried about getting sued. Don't worry. Elon Musk's kid is going to be completely absorbed in his own self-destruction. He's not going to be interested in suing you for mispronouncing him. It's tragic, tragic, horrible news. So Elon Musk could care less that he's the richest man in the world today. He could care less that he, whether he's going to buy Twitter or not buy Twitter or put $100 million here or $50 million here or a billion there. He could, none of that means anything when he opens up the newspaper or maybe he got the phone call. Here's what his son said in an interview. His son, Javier Musk, says, I wish to go by the name Vivian to be recognized as a female. I no longer live with or wish to be related to my father in any way, shape, or form. Unquote. So you're the richest man in the world who everybody thinks they want to be like. Or everybody thinks he's so together. Anyway, I can't. that's why this is in the end of the world file. For Elon Musk, I mean, I don't know. I'm a father. This is the end of the world. Your son says, not only, not only am I sexually confused and about to mutilate my body and join this, this current mania, but I no longer want to be associated with you or related to you in any way, shape, or form. That's the end of the world. Man, I feel for Elon Musk today. I'm not a big fan of Elon, but I feel for him today as a father and just as a man. Wow. That's the end of the world, brother.
So pray for Elon Musk. I'll pray for Elon Musk. From there we go to the decline and fall file where swimming's governing body uh, bans trans athletes. And the, the article in the Daily Mail has the word bans in quotation marks because, well, because the president of FINA, that's the swimming governing body there, announced that they're going to set up... The, first of all, they're going to require competitors... Male competitors who want to compete as females have to have completed their transition by the age of 12 if they want to compete, and then they'll be able to compete. That's why the word bans in the headline was in quotation marks. And then also, we're going to set up an open care category, an open category, so that anyone who wants to compete, there'll be this other category. There'll be like hims, and then there'll be hers, and then there'll be open. And that's for anybody. Because we don't want anybody to feel like they can't compete. So it's open to anyone. Male, female, dogs, cats, anyone. It's open. So I, I plan to enter a dolphin in that open category to compete against the transgendered men. What's well, open? Shark. Oh, shark. Okay. <laughs> So you can see where my extremely attractive <laughs> audio engineer comes out. People think I'm, people think I'm the radical. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> so further into the decline and fall file, and I mean further, deep down, darker, deeper down. Rugby's international governing body has issued a, an opinion on banning transgender athletes, which right there, I mean, once you issue an opinion. Stating that this is a topic worthy of discussion, you have lost the debate. We're sim it's simply not to be entertained, that's all. If someone brings it up at a meeting, you overrule that and you say we're not going to discuss that. That was settled 5,000 years ago, the boys and the girls thing. No. But now that the swimming league has uh, <laughs> quote-unquote banned or whatever... Now every, now every sports authority, now every governing body of every sport has to issue an opinion, which is basically opening the door to the trannies to eventually take over. By allowing that to be discussed, you've, you've opened the door to their eventual conquest. It's like, it's like letting a few Visigoths under the gate. Huh? A few vandals over the wall, just a couple. Just so that they won't think that we're, you know, mean or something. We don't want to be called bigots. It's just a couple, just a few, not all, just a few exceptions, really. Uh, now, rugby's governing body says that male to female rugby players will not be permitted uh, before further research is conducted. Okay. <laughs> they can't just stop it, will not be permitted until further research. Kicking the old bull down the pitch a bit, eh, mate? Ah. Ah, just to avoid an unpleasant scrum. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, and after that, now British Cycling has said that it's going to suspend gender, I'm sorry, suspend transgender inclusive policies. Try to figure that one out. Uh, they say it's, um, it's unfair. It's unfair for, for boys to compete against girls. It's unfair. Okay. 
More sports are expected to follow, says the folks over at Free Beacon. Why? Because, well, yeah, the floodgates are open. Now that the courage to stand for what's right has been removed as a requirement for satisfying the popular outcry against this insanity, more people are expected to stand up because now you don't have to actually speak the truth or be brave or do anything like that. And folks, the natural outcry against this transgendered perverse insanity was actually a cry for someone to stand up and say, this is wrong, this is perverse, this is wicked, this is evil. That's what the masses want. That's why this is a controversy. It's because the masses are begging for a man to stand up and lead. And every one of those men in every office in every land has missed that opportunity. It's the Weekly Review, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. So every politician, every cultural leader, every actor, every man who portrays himself as male or masculine or a man has missed that opportunity, but God has not missed the opportunity. God hears the outcry of the masses against this insanity, perverse, maniacal, transgendered craziness, and he knows what they're crying for. And he has not missed that opportunity. He has written the story of Jesus Christ into the every society and every culture on earth. He's written that story. And because of this insanity, people are going to hear that story and some are going to be converted to righteousness, to the, the, the pathway of life, to salvation, to God. They'll be converted to to loving Jesus Christ because of these insane perverts, because of Samuel Alito's lack of moral courage, some people will be saved. Now, it'll be a very small group. It'll be not all. It'll be a small number. Exceptions, really. But it will be some. There would be so many more if those among us who consider ourselves men would stand up and speak the truth and say what is right and what is wrong. Whether or not they want to uh, uh, cut off our careers, take away our money, not let us shop, call us bigots, kill us, arrest us, throw us in jail, beat us, scourge us, kill us. What? We, we still need to stand up and say it. And, uh, and uh, Governor DeSantis, you do not risk scourging or execution for standing up and saying this is wrong it's perverted it's corrupt we're going to stop we're going to stop allowing this to even be a part of the conversation you don't risk any of that mr desantis in fact you risk becoming the next president of the united states that's what you risk but you don't have the courage all right uh, but god has the courage and so he's written the story of jesus christ and and some are going to see it in spite of you mr desantis in spite of you mr 
uh, governor of Texas, whatever your name was, I already forgot. Despite all of you. We go now to the falling and rising of many file where revolver.news writes the headline. Republican transgender strategy is dangerously off track. I read that headline and I thought I might just agree with this fellow. So I'm going to read the rest of this. So the author at revolver.news says 20 states have passed bills to protect the sanctity the sanctity of women's sports. Those bans are really popular. So he says, why are they passing all these? Well, because they're really popular. Which, which is a really well thought out point. That is why they're doing it. It's because it's popular. But then the author at Revolver News goes on to say, focusing on girls' sports is a distraction. The worst part of the transgender mania isn't that girls face unfair competition. It's that it's an assault on the good and the true. A radical campaign to deny differences between male and female acknowledged and recognized for all of human history. And he goes on. It's a compulsion under threat of economic ruin to affirm delusional sexual fantasies. Uh-huh. He goes on to say, uh, we're doing all this at the, at the profound human cost of a mania, a social contagion inflicting irreversible lifelong harms on children. The chief victims are not the girls losing swimming trophies. It's the people suffering through being transitioned and mutilated and manipulated into irreversible life choices. Such a profound subversion of the moral order takes a toll on the rest of us who have to deal with the psychological terror and intimidation campaign accompanying it. Unquote. That's the author from Revolver.News. I did a story from Revolver a week ago, two weeks ago. I said I wasn't sure if they were conservative. Okay. So whoever writes Revolver.News is a conservative and likely a Christian and likely a man. And so it's, I guess it's, it's fallen to men like uh, Revolver.News and here at the Weekly Worldview and, and another, a, a few other very small outlets, a few, not the rule, not lots, not everyone, just few exceptions really it's fallen to us to stand up and say the truth that's a pretty sad state of affairs it's a pretty sad state of affairs because before row everyone's worried about going back before row back before row back before row and I guess you'd have to go quite a ways back before Roe, but there was the bulwark of society in the state that actually, in, in many cases, stood for what was right and what was good. And that's all gone now. There's like three websites and a podcast between us and a thousand years of darkness and uh, damnation and hellfire for all our friends and, and relatives. That's pretty thin. 
Uh, so, so let's go from there. Let's try to do something not depressing. We'll do an update. An update on a story from last week from the Justice File. <laughs> uh, Antoine M. Brown was arrested in the assault case of punching Mayor Greg Fisher. You remember that Mayor Greg Fisher, the mayor of Louisville, was punched on the street. Begging the question, okay, why? <laughs> because, well, this has to do with that bulwark that stood for things that were good and right all being gone. That's what that has to do with. So Mayor Greg Fisher gets punched out on the street, and now Antoine Brown has been arrested. We find out now that Mayor Fisher, why was he on the street? He was on the street with large groups of people celebrating Pride Month and Juneteenth. That's right. The mayor, liberal, leftist, white, pasty, guilt-ridden liberal mayor Greg Fisher was out celebrating Pride and Juneteenth with his rainbow flag in one hand and his Juneteenth flag in the other hand. And uh, anyway, so the guy who punched him out is obviously a black dude. How do we know that? Because police caught him after reviewing footage of the attack. I'll post this, folks. This was, well, we got two possibilities here, okay? This was either a Marxist humiliation punch. Because, folks, this punch was delivered with plenty of warning. And purposely by this dude who literally walked up to the mayor, took three or four steps toward him with his hand, fit of his cock, ready. It's not like the mayor didn't see this coming. I mean, unless he was wasted, which, of course, is a possibility. But, I mean, the guy telegraphed this punch, like, anyway, that's why I said, I thought at first it looks like a Marxist humiliation punch delivered with a plenty of warning and purposely by party muscle. And Mayor Fisher took it like a true party loyalist. He's, so if this was a Marxist humiliation punch, Mayor Fisher is, even now, he's, he's writing up his full com confession and he's preparing to happily serve whatever sentence he's sentenced to by the party to correct his latent white privilege and to give back to society, as they say, for, for all that his white privilege has taken from it. Right? Anyway, so that's possibility one. Possibility two is that Antoine Brown, the puncher, was just a black guy who was so upset at seeing a liberal white uh, politician mixing Juneteenth and Pride Month that as a black man, he just simply lost control of himself and couldn't overcome the natural urge to punch that guy out. And so, and so we hope that's the latter. <laughs> that, uh, but we'll have to see as details emerge on the, uh, on the punching of, uh, of the liberal white mayor mixing Juneteenth with uh, Pride Month. I always told you, hey, brothers don't roll like that. Don't be mixing us up with the quiz. What you talking about? You crazy? Get out of here with that. Uh, from the Real Science File, a new study of over 100,000 people indicates that fully vaccinated people are more likely to contract COVID-19 or at least test positive, whatever that means. Uh, the booster, the booster, according to the study, wanes after two months or so, maybe five months on the outside. The study also indicates that natural immunity lasts for 300 days. Why? Because that's how long the study lasted and natural immunity lasted the whole time. Why? Well, <laughs> because that's the way it is. And this was all academic before the flip out. 
before the massive flip out of 2020, this study would have been qualified as like high school level biology research, high, high school level stuff. <laughs> but it, now it's a new study showing how cold viruses behave. <laughs> Uh, anyway, folks, the PhDs that were written, settling the science over how cold viruses behave and what natural immunity is, they were all written in the 1950s for crying out loud, if not earlier. Man, so for everyone who wishes we could go back to the 1950s morality, I mean... <laughs> I mean, let's go back to the 1950s for morality, but not for medicine, okay? We already knew that how cold viruses... We knew all this. You crazy... Make me insane. Uh, meanwhile, from the canary in the coal mine file, we have uh, a report from the Liberty Daily. There seems to be a spike in deaths of young, otherwise healthy people. I've been watching this now for, I think, about a year. Has it been about a year? And I haven't really felt like there's been enough for me to start like saying, okay, now this looks like to be a problem. But folks, this looks like to be a problem. That's bad grammar right there. This appears to be a problem. The latest 26-year-old NFL linebacker, Jalon Ferguson, just died. He's 26 years old. If he's not in a car accident or on drugs, I mean, huh? And then we have uh, uh, but, uh, 20... Former NBA player, 25-year-old Kalen Swanigan, found dead. And the coroner says that he died of natural causes. Well, folks, when you're 25 years old in the past, you would have had to been sick for the doctor to say that you died of natural causes. And uh, uh, Caleb Swanigan was not sick. He was 25 years old, healthy, and he died. So, folks... Anyway, I, I have a feeling that probably the, the one thing that has kept this experimental vaccine experiment from going horribly, tragically, awfully wrong is that I'm going to bet that the requirement that these vaccines be held in liquid nitrogen under freezing temperatures, I'm just going to guess that that protocol was not followed very well and so that an awful lot of people who got these shots didn't get the full-on, you know, just didn't get the full effect. And that's probably going to save millions of lives. Anyway, I'm really concerned that people with underlying health conditions, especially heart conditions, are simply going to start dropping dead by the tens of thousands, if not the hundreds, of, if not the millions over the next few years. It's, it's folks, that, talk about the end of the world. I mean, that would be really, that would be really, really bad news. So anyway, uh, anyway, it's a legitimate concern that I'm worried about. And I, I read some of the trials where they did the mice with the mRNA before this ever became a human experiment. You know, they tried this on mice and a lot of the mice died. Lots. Not just exceptions, really. Lots. Like, like most of them. That's the reason the mRNA was never approved as an actual therapeutic because so many of the mice and the rabbits died. And now the people became the mice and the rabbits, and they did it voluntarily. Uh, so anyway, uh, and here's one of the reasons, is uh, college. I know, I, if you went to college, I don't mean to offend you, but I, it just, 
Let me just say that I feel for you. I mean, not in the same way I feel for Elon Musk. I mean, I really feel for Elon Musk today. But I feel for you that you went to college because, well, at the very least, you wasted an enormous amount of money. So and let's just leave it. But let's go to the Ray of Hope file where we have uh, college enrollments declined by about a million and a half people over the last couple years. Yep, college enrollments down uh, over 4%. About a million and a half fewer people in be inflicting themselves. No, how, how should I put it? About a million and a half fewer people having college inflicted upon them. Uh, but uh, governing officials and uh, NGOs and people who work for the state universities have plans. They're gonna they're gonna send relief that could come in the form of state funding. They're going to get enrollment back up. They plan in Michigan to give students as much as $6,000 to attend state universities. <laughs> Here you go, kiddo. How It's the government equivalent of the dope dealer's first hit for free, dude. Come on, right over here, man. It's good. It's going to be good. Anyway. Take the first 6000 kiddo. It's a gift. Come on. What's $6,000 between us? You don't have to pay me back. Come on. Sign up. Come on, sign up right here. All right. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, the Supreme Court, the aforementioned Supreme Court that doesn't know right from wrong, has issued another major win for religious liberty and the Republicans and the small C Christians when the court uh, the court sided against excluding tuition assistance for religious schools. Try to figure that. Out. That means the that means religious schools can now line up. To receive money stolen from the treasury for immoral purposes by the government. Now Christian schools can be a part of that. Uh-huh. The parents, represented by First Liberty Institute and the Institute for Justice, which are pro-family industry hacks, making sure that they and other Christians and Christian schools have equal access to other people's money. That's what these... That's what the First Liberty Institute and the Institute for Judd, they want to make sure you and I as Christians and conservatives and moral people have access to as much stolen money for as many immoral purposes as the public schools and the heathens and Babylon and everybody else. That's it, folks. That's the Weekly Worldview. For this week, I want to thank my friends at Real Science Radio and my other brother, Daryl, who I hope is still listening, although he may be busy doing other things. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Should the Lord tarry, we'll return next week. And until then, may the grace of God go with you. And may the peace of Jesus Christ be upon you.